Great, it's that part in our service where we're going to open the scriptures together and, and we're going to just uh, kind of focus on them and allow God to speak to us through his word. So um, you might want to grab your Bible if you haven't already. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going to be hanging out around Psalm 42 today. Uh, but let me just pray before we jump into anything. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it gives life. Thank you that you reveal yourself and your heart through it. Thank you that you speak to it. Thank you that you're a God that continually speaks, that wants us to hear your voice, that wants us to draw near to you. And I pray, God, this morning, by your spirit, speak to our hearts and minds. Meet with us and draw us into your presence, near to you, I pray. Amen. Great. Um, we're going to be hanging out around Psalm 42. And uh, if you've been reading along in, in the daily Bible reading this week, then you would have read from Psalm 41 down to Psalm 54, which is today's reading, 5354. And um, I, I, I don't know what you think about the Psalms. I just want to talk a little bit about my engagement with the Psalms uh, throughout my life, really, uh, to start off with. At the beginning, when I first became a Christian, like um, I, I love reading the Bible, but I... I used to really struggle with the Psalms. Like, I just did not get on with them. I, I didn't like them. And, and, and as someone as well who was a worship leader, um, I used to kind of really wrestle with that because almost every other worship leader I knew loved the Psalms. You know, it, it, it was the book of worship from the Old Testament. Now, side note, we know that's not true. That's the book of Leviticus, right? Um, <laughs> but uh, the book of Psalms is, is, was the book of worship in the Old Testament. All these hymns, the hymn book and, and songs of praise and meant and cries out to God and, and and lots of other worship leaders I knew absolutely loved the book of Psalms and, and I didn't. Now I don't know if you've ever done the Maya Briggs personality test but I'm an ENFJ. If you don't know what that means don't worry um, but essentially what that means is that I love structure, I love order and structure and to me when I first read the Psalms that is not how they appeared. They appeared to be like this uh, messy chaotic roller coaster of emotion. One minute the psalmist was crying out for God, oh my God where are you? And, and verses later, praise you Lord, you're my refuge and rock and you, you, you're everything, your love endures forever, you're you, you know it was just up and down up and down up and down and and for me I, I kind of just struggled with that and thought what is going on here that was until I discovered and this is kind of what I want to share with you this morning um what I, what I discovered was that, that the Psalms are not random. They are not chaotic and they are not messy. They may appear to be that on the surface, uh, but there is beauty and order and structure to these Psalms. Um, and there is so much more going on. Now, you can read the Psalms on many, many levels. You can just read it and connect with it personally. Yeah, this is where I'm at. I want to praise God today. Or this is where I'm at. I just I need to cry out to him because I feel like I'm in the the darkest place and I need the God who walks with me through the valley of the shadow of death and we can engage with them personally. The other week Jacob was speaking to us and, and he took the Psalms and, and he was talking about some of the prophetic stuff in there that points to Jesus. You can read through and see all this prophetic stuff pointing forward to Jesus and who's coming hundreds of years later that the psalmists would not have known about at that point and yet they write stuff that actually perfectly depicts 
who Jesus was, what he was going to do. And, and you can you can read it on a messianic kind of level prophetically. Uh, and there's that level. But there's so many other levels to the Psalms as well. And the more you read, the more you'll see, the more you get drawn in to the story of who God is and what he's up to. And, and it's all of that. It is all of that. He wants to meet with us personally. But personally, he draws us in to want to see this bigger story. And I want to share some stuff today that helped me get drawn in. And maybe, maybe we'll help you too. Um, so what else is going on? Well, the reason I've chosen to stick with Psalm 42, which was on Monday's reading, we were reading 41 and 42 together. Um, it's because if you look at Psalm 42, it's like the Psalms just shift focus a little bit here. Something goes on and there's some change happening. And, and if you look above Psalm 42, you'll probably notice uh, that in most Bibles, probably as in yours, but in most Bibles above Psalm 42, you'll see the words book two, book two. Now, we often just think, oh, the Psalms, one to 150. There's just these Psalms. This is book of Psalms, this hymn book. When in fact, it isn't just one hymn book. There's actually five books put together. And, and they are not like, oh, all these are by David and all these are by someone else. And all it doesn't work like that either. There's crossover in between them, although the majority of each book is written by certain characters. Uh, but these five books are put together intentionally to do something, to do something incredible. Book uh, two, then, and you'll notice that the five books as you read through, there are these Psalm 1 to 41 is book one. Psalm 42 to 72 is book two. Psalm 73 to 89 is book three. Psalm 90 to 106 is book four. And Psalm 107 to 150 is book five. Now, there are five books. Now, if you know anything about the Old Testament, you might have some alarm bells ringing, okay, because there's another significant five books in the Old Testament, uh, sometimes referred to as the Pentateuch or, or the Torah. Now, we use the word Torah often just to generically mean the Old Testament, but specifically it would have meant originally the books of Moses, the Pentateuch, the five books at the beginning of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy, the five books of the Torah. Now, what is amazing about the five books of the Psalms is that the five books of the Psalms actually match the five books and mirror the five books of the Torah. They're intentionally put together in an in intentional order to, to link to the five books of the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy. Let me show you some examples just to, to bring this to life for you. If you go back to Psalm 1, where you'll notice above Psalm 1, it says book 1, the beginning of book 1. And, and, and in Psalm 1, you will see there that we discover uh, this psalm that talks about blessing that comes from the law. There's blessing that comes from the law. The, the, the Hebrew word used for law it is the word Torah. There's blessing, blessing that comes from the Torah. And Torah... The Hebrew word, it literally means teaching or speeches to speak. So there is blessing that comes from the teaching of God, the Torah, the law of the Lord. There's blessing that comes from the teachings of God, from the words of God. Hey, what happens in Genesis 1? The words of God bring life. Blessing. They bring life. So, so here at the beginning of book one, Psalm 1, 
Genesis 1 is happening. God is speaking and there is life. You notice as well, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the Torah of the Lord and who meditates on his law by day and night. Now, what you see there as well is a choice, isn't there? Like in Genesis, there's a choice. Do you choose this or do you choose this? Do you choose the way of the Lord to delight in his word and what he has spoken and called you to do in his teaching, in his direction? Do you choose to delight and live in that and receive life and blessing or do you choose a different way? It's the Genesis story of Adam and Eve in the garden. And speaking of garden as well, there's garden language in it. Keep reading and you get to verse three and you discover that there is a tree of life, which is what we have in Genesis, the tree of life. So so right at the beginning of book one is this direct mirroring uh, of Genesis one. There's garden language there. Now, if you flick through a few of the Psalms, you'll notice as well that we get another pattern that appears in Genesis. We get the pattern of evening and it was morning. It was night and it was day. It was night and it was day. It was evening. It was morning. In the Genesis story, when God creates the the days, we notice it was night first and then it was day. It was night and then it was day. So Psalm 4 verse uh, 8, you notice that it is night. And then in Psalm 5, verse 3, just a few verses later, it, it is day, it is, it's daytime. Uh, in the morning, it's night and it was day. It was evening and it was morning the first day. It was evening and it was morning the second day. We get this pattern that occurs in Genesis starting to be mirrored in book one of the Psalms. See, book one deals with creation and God's relationship with man. That's what the first book of Psalms is all about. In Psalm 12, notice this language, because Genesis doesn't just end with the creation story. It goes on to talk about other characters, Abraham and his descendants and what happened with them. And in book 12, uh, sorry, Psalm 12, verse one, listen to this, help Lord, for no one is faithful anymore. Those who are loyal have vanished from the human race. Uh, who does that remind you of? The story of Noah, the times of Noah, when there was no one on the earth that did good in the eyes of the Lord. Everyone was evil. All evil came from the hearts of mankind. This is mirroring the times of Noah. And then Psalm 23, I'm just jumping over them here, but if you go through and read them, you'll discover more and more and more mirroring the story and the narrative of the book of Genesis. But in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I like nothing. He makes me lie down. He leads me. He guides me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't fear. His rod and his staff are with me. He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Psalm 23, it, it kind of mirrors and retells us the story of Abraham, who was led and provided for by God. And hey, in Genesis chapter 12, we even discover Abraham sitting down to eat in the presence of his enemies. These Psalms, they mirror the book of Genesis and what is going on there. Book one is the same as the book one of the Torah, the story of Genesis, the beginnings story. Book two then is all about deliverance and redemption. It's the Exodus story. And listen to this. It starts in verse uh, chapter verse Psalm 42, uh, in verse one, it says this, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go to meet with him? 
is how Exodus begins, isn't it? The people crying out to God. They long for him. And what do they long to do? To go and meet with him. Where is our God? We long for him. There's this deep longing and God hears the cries, doesn't he, of the people in Exodus. And that's how the story gets going. We see it in verse 7 as well, about deep crying out to deep. It's the story of the people at the beginning of Exodus. In verse four, uh, sorry, in Psalm 43, verse three, we read this. Send me your light and your faithful care. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain. Again, the story of Exodus. What did God do? He wanted to set his people free to bring them to his holy mountain that he could meet with them there, that they could worship him there. Back to, to Psalm 42, verse eight. Listen to this. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. What happens in the story of Exodus is that God leads them by night and by day. We've got the, the pillar of fire and the pillar and the cloud that leads them by night and by day through the wilderness out of Egypt and on into the promised land. It's the story of the Exodus. And as you read through, you'll pick up more and more of that language. I'm not going to go into all the books, but just so you know, book three is about sanctuary and about worship. It's about the invite into the presence of God. And that is Leviticus. That's what Leviticus is all about, about sanctuary and worship and the invite into the presence of God. Uh, Book four of the Psalms then is about the wilderness and wandering. And that's what the book of Numbers is about. In fact, uh, in the Hebrew, it's not called numbers. It is called wanderings. <laughs> it's, it's about their wandering through the wilderness. And that's what you discover in, in the book four of the Psalms. In book five of the Psalms, then, it's all about scripture and praise. And, and that's what Deuteronomy is about. Deuteronomy, the second law, the second giving of the law, the invite again to trust in the words of God, choose life, not death, which leads them to praise and blessing. And that is what book five is all about in the Psalms. Now, it's not only that there are these books with themes that shift as well. You'll notice that the author shifts. So if you look at, at Psalm 41, which is, is the last Psalm of book one, and, and underneath Psalm 41, you'll probably see something written like this. For the director of music, a Psalm of David. And lots of book one are written by David. And this is the same. Psalm 41 is a Psalm of David. But then when you get to book two and you look at Psalm 42, what you discover there is this. For the director of music, a muscle, I don't know if you pronounce it like that, uh, but essentially a song of the sons of Korah, the sons of Korah. And, and you see in Psalm 44, it's written by the sons of Korah. And, and as you go through um, Psalm 45 by the sons of Korah and Psalm 46, the sons of Korah. So there's this shift in authorship of some of the Psalms. Now, not all of book two is written by them, uh, but a lot of book two is written by them. And you get this shift in authorship. Now, I want you to just just stop for a second, step back and think about this. Book one is written by David. And then book two, largely written by the sons of Korah. Book one is written by a human, by one, by a man. And book two is by the people. Book one, a man, Adam, Adam. And then book two, by the people, the Israelites. 
Genesis is about Adam and then Noah and then Abraham and then it's about individual men and their story and their and their offspring and then it merges into book two which becomes about their many offspring about the people about the Israelites there's a shift from Genesis to Exodus from the story of a man to the story of a great people to the story of the Israelites as we move from book two into book three, there's a shift again. And you'll notice that book two goes from being about the people, about the sons of Korah, about this group of people. to then it's being written by a guy called Asaph. And he is a priest. Uh, you can read about him in Chronicles. You'll find him there. Uh, but he he's, uh, serves under David and he serves under Solomon in the temple. Um, and so book two goes from being about a people and then to book three, which is written by a priest. And so you get this move again from the generic people to talking about specific priests. And that's what happens in Leviticus. It is it is about all the people. It's to all the people. But it's specifically about and written to instruction for the priests. Uh, and, and so you get that shift there leading us into Leviticus, book three of the Psalms. I want to talk just briefly about the sons of Korah and the authors of most of book two. Now, Korah is a character that you can read about in Numbers chapter 11. And, and he's this guy that with a couple of others, they, they, uh, rise up against Moses. And, and you'll remember that countless times people came against Moses, but this is one of those times he opposed Moses. And what happened was that, that God showed that he was with Moses and the ground opened up, swallowed up Korah and some of his sons and those who were with him who opposed him. But in Numbers 26, we read that not all the sons of Korah were opposed, uh, were uh, pulled down. And, and so they lived on. And it's this group of people, the sons of this guy who oppose Moses, who traitor to God's people, essentially. And um, and they are shaped by their story. They have seen and heard what God did long ago. Psalm 44, we, we've heard what you did. Um, and they they realized that God had turned against those people that because they had turned against God and and they realized that their story is one where they should have been swallowed up by the ground their story is one of the grave yet they have been redeemed and rescued from it they didn't end up going down to it though that's what they were deserving of and they were delivered and from their story we get these songs these songs of of deliverance of redemption um and it's songs of the exile, songs of God bringing his people out from captivity, from the grave, from death, from suffering, from oppression and into freedom. Songs of deliverance. And that's the theme of Exodus. OK, so you might be thinking, well, all oh, this is great, Matt, and I can see that you're excited by that. But why? Why are you telling us this? Why are you talking about all of this? Like I said at the start, for me, when I first read the Psalms, and maybe for some of you, you find this as well, like you like to dip in and out of them. But generally as a book, you're like, what is going on here? How random is this? Like I used to just look at them and feel like they're a roller coaster of emotions. Uh, it was just a load of confusion. Um, just this random, messy collection of words. Like what, what was going on here? But then I discovered some of what I've shared with you today, which is that underneath all of this, there is structure. There is order and there is beauty. Uh, 
that is going on. You see, the Psalms, it tells a story. In fact, it doesn't just tell a story. It retells the story, the story of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy, the story of a God who creates, who breathes life, who offers life over death and says, what will you choose? And then when we choose and get it wrong, he keeps walking with us through the valley of the shadow of death. He doesn't leave us. And then when we end up in captivity, when life feels oppressed and things don't feel right, he's the God who hears our cry, the God who we call out to and he redeems us and sets us free. And then he gives us a new way of living. Leviticus, he says, hey, let me invite you in to my presence and show you a new way to be human. And then he wanders with us through our wanderings in the wilderness as we seek out his promise and his future that he's offered us. And then he speaks again. Deuteronomy, the God who gives the law again and again. He keeps speaking to us. He keeps inviting us in with every new generation. And and, and the Psalms is a retelling of that story, of that narrative. It's not random. And, and it invites us in. It invites us in. Just two points that I want to wrap up with. Point one, I've, I've said it really, but it's that I, I love that about this God, the, the God of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy, the, the God who is always longing to make himself known. That's what he did in the garden. I want to create people that will know me and love me and be in relationship with me. And then when that goes wrong, well, I'm, I'm going to pursue them out of Eden and I'm going to keep revealing myself to them. I'll start with this guy and then I'll move on to this guy and his descendants and his descendants. And I'll raise up this nation that they know me, that they might invite the rest of the world to know me. And when all that goes wrong, well, then I'll give them the temple and I'll show them a way to come back into my presence. And I'll keep going with them and I'll keep leading them and I'll keep revealing myself to them, inviting them in. And that's what Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy are all about. But maybe you struggled with some of those books. Maybe when you were reading them, you just struggled with, with what was going on there, the language there, the structure there. The, I don't know. Maybe you struggled with some of those stories and the way in which God was meeting with those people. And so look at this. He's done it again. OK, well, I'm going to give you those five books again. But I'm going to give them to you in a different tone, in a different style, in a different language so that you might connect with them again. Maybe you're not an ENFJ like Matt. Maybe you don't like stuff like this. Maybe you need a bit more poetic language, you know, something more flow that draws you in. And so let me give you the five books again, but let me give them to you as the Psalms. Here's a different way of writing the same story, the same invite in a different form, the same God reaching out to us. And pulling us in. I love that about the Psalms. I love that. It's, it's the same God inviting you into the same story, connecting in a different way. The story hasn't changed. The God hasn't changed. The narrative is the same. The hope is the same. But he's saying it in new words, in a new way to invite you in. I love that. I love that about the Psalms. I love that about him and his heart for us. Point two then, and this is what I want to close with, is, is this. Maybe at times, you can feel that your life can be seemingly messy or confusing or like a roller coaster of emotion and randomness, and maybe it just feels chaotic. Maybe sometimes your life feels like the Psalms and like I used to see the Psalms. But if that's true for you, then I want to just speak this to you today because I believe the Psalms show us this. 
But underneath it all is a God who is at work, turning all things for the good of those who love him. Speaking into the darkness and calling forth hope and light and order and beauty and peace and calm. Shalom. Maybe your life feels messy and chaotic. Maybe it feels like the waves being blown around by the wind. But trust me, underneath it all is a strong, firm current that is guiding those waves into the shore. You see, God hasn't changed. People change. I I heard recently someone struggling with just some of the nature of some of the words in the Psalms and the way that David was and what he was saying. And, And that's the reality, isn't it? In our lives, we may say things that other people struggle with. We go through things that other people don't get because they're not us and they haven't journeyed the things that we are journeying. But we are all journeying with the same God. It doesn't matter what you're going through and what somebody else is going through and where you're at and where they're at and how you're engaging with what you're engaging with and what they're engaging with. It may all look different and we might not fully understand each other and what is going on. We might not understand each other's questions or words or songs or expressions of the things that we experience. You may relate to David. You may not. You may think, gosh, what is he saying? What is he like here? But the reality is, is that underneath it all is the same God inviting each of us into the same story of life and hope and redemption and salvation and freedom and promise. And we're all going to connect at different points. And that is what I've learned from the Psalms. That is what I've begun to love about the Psalms. He hasn't changed. The story hasn't changed. The hope hasn't changed. Same God. Same story, same hope. We may relate differently to all those things, but he is pulling us all into the shore, that strong and firm current, all these different waves crashing down in different places, and he is moving underneath it all, bringing us near to him. He is incredible. What a God he is. What a God he is. I hope and pray that that's blessed you. I hope and pray that that's given you a, a bigger understanding of what the Psalms is about and then what God is up to in them and through them. And, and I hope and pray that whatever you are going through, whether you feel calm on the surface or battered around by the wind and chaotic, God is the same firm current underneath us all, moving us in to his story, bringing us near to him. And I pray that today, you would feel that shift and that movement near to him. God bless you, church.